Uh, right, Moshe Mayerfeld is here from H New York, and they have a wonderful campaign going on between now and 6 p.m. Eastern time today, where literally anything you give between now, this moment, and 6 p.m. Eastern time today is going to be doubled. So a lot of great fundraising efforts out there, a lot of wonderful stuff going on, and we encourage everybody to just give, give, give. And on this 613, I guess, hey, why not do, do some extra mitzvahs, give to as many causes as possible. In our studio, Rabbi Moshe Mayerfeld, he is uh, the director of H New York. And as I said, they have a um, an important and uh, and vibrant, certainly very active and vibrant, if you look at the numbers already, uh, one-day campaign going on that ends at 6 p.m. today. We'll give you the web address and tell you how to support it. Every single donation will be doubled for H New York during this fundraising day. Rabbi Moshe Mayerfeld, welcome to JM in the AM. Nachum, thank you for having me on this show. It's very exciting to be here. A pleasure. You you spent a lot of time out of this country, uh, in the UK, the mm. United Kingdom, doing the same type of work, I assume? Yeah, well, um, I guess that you could say that my math isn't very good because uh, after being in America, born in America, uh, in a small town in New Jersey, Vineland, New Jersey. Right. Um, uh, went to Yeshiva and Munsi, Shari Torah, by Barrel Wine, sure. um, who, is, who is still my Rebbe, and I'm very close with him, thank God. He's amazing. Um, I had a, a great journey. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily fit. Growing up in a small town wasn't so easy for me, um, and I had to find my own path a little bit. Um, but uh, I guess being uh, in, in Shari Torah, as uh, someone who didn't fit in so well, I ended up with the gift of spending more time with Rabbi Wine than anybody else did. Uh, I spent a lot of time in his office. <laughs> which uh, you shared an office. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes it felt that way. But uh, the reality is that that, uh, that that really sunk in a lot with me. And uh, his messages and his uh, encouragement for me and his belief in me really made a big difference long term in who I am today. And and at some point you're invited to the UK to... So we, I went to Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael uh, in my gap year. You know, it was going to be for a year. Ended up uh, loving Eretz Yisrael and finding a beautiful wife there. I stayed in Eretz Yisrael, learned in Yeshiva there. Ended up working in Nevei Tzion. Um, and I thought we were going to live in Eretz Yisrael forever. Uh, my wife's family is Israeli and I figured that we were there. Uh, and then an opportunity came up uh, to go to England uh, and work with students there. Um, I'd never been to England before. I'd never really worked in outreach before. But, um, you know, Nevetsion was a different type of, of work. Um, but people are people. And, and the two things that I love in this world are people and Yiddishkeit. And when I have an opportunity to bring those things together, I'm in a good place. And that was campus work or that was general outreach? So work? when I first moved to England, it was specifically for campus and the last two years of school, uh, like the later years of high school and campus. Uh, we went, and that's what I said, my math issue is, is a bit of a problem because I went for two years um, <laughs> and we ended up there for 20. And we added a zero to that, which is a great uh, you know, sort of plug for today. And, and you arrive in New York uh, how long ago? So we came to New York. We moved into the Lower East Side of Manhattan on October 1st. Well, our contract started. That was Yantif, I think. Right. But the day after Sukkot. Um, just now? Just now. We just moved to the Lower East Side. And, um, and when you say the Lower East Side, you mean literally very close to where we are now on Grand Street on Indeed. the Lower East Side. And um, who was the director of H New York before you got here? You're, you're filling whose shoes? So that, that's a good question. Basically, there's a long history of success here in H New York. Right. Um, and a couple things happened. Rabbi Yitz Greenman was very involved for many years. Right. Rabbi Adam Jacobs was involved for many years, who is still involved. Um, uh, basically, what happened was that H New York kind of diversified. The communities changed, and they were based on the Upper West Side. Right. That community changed a lot. Um, and also a lot of the support for Kirov actually sort of focused on campus for a long time. So there was a bit of a, a change and a shift in what was happening in H New York. And about a year ago, 
uh, after being in England for, for 20 years, we were looking for something new, a new challenge, something to develop uh, you know, the Jewish people a little bit more, bigger. Uh, we were, Baruch Hashem, very successful in England. We, uh, in the last... Uh, in the last two years that we were there, I had this host to be Masada Kedushin for over 50 couples. Um, and my wife and I came up with a whole mahalach of, of teaching secular couples and getting them exciting about Yiddishkeit through their marriage. And, and thank God it was very, very successful. Um, but it was time for something new. And, and it was a, it was a, it was a, sh- a sea shift. We, we, we were looking around. We actually were brought in by a couple of different organizations to speak in America. And we decided, you know what? Our kids were kind of at a, at a, at a, at a crossroads, graduating school and finishing school. Uh, and we felt it was a sign from Hashem to, to take up something new, a new challenge. So we found New York. Uh, and at the same time, uh, Rabbi Adam Jacobs uh, was looking to redevelop Asian New York. And, and you know, it, it was the, the main focus uh, for New York was really not for young professionals anymore. It was doing a, a very successful executive learning program and campus program. But the young professional programming kind of uh, was not as big as it should have been, perhaps. Um, and I think other organizations stepped in to... Yeah, there's a lot of good things. Also, there's right. a lot of good things here in New York, um, and 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 when we came, our, our main thing is we're not looking to compete with anybody. You know, anybody who's got a connection or doing something good with another organization, that's not who we're looking for. Look, oh, no. we're looking for the Jews who have zero connection and no connection with anything else. Right, Moshe Mayerfeld is here, H New York. Now, um, I could describe for you as many people in this audience can, Grand Street. I, we could describe to you the, the Jewish community down here, and it is obviously a long-time Jewish community, different than it was, but a lot of people have kept up with what's happening down here. What's happening north of Grand Street? What What is Lower Manhattan like in that area of this island it's, at this time? It's so interesting that you ask that, because actually the week that we moved in, uh, I mentioned to somebody that we moved to the Lower East Side in Shul. I, I came to Shul, and I introduced myself to someone, and he said, where are you living? So I said, we're on Norfolk Street, just by East Houston. So he said, oh, that's uptown. All right, of course. <laughs> So, you know, um, and then somebody else said to me, uh, almost facetiously said, oh, you're not in the Jewish community. So I said, isn't that ironic? Because there are more Jews that live where we live, a a two minute walk from here, um, than than the from Jewish community that is is really known. How many have you met in that area? Baruch Hashem, we have been Zoha in our home, just in our home. Uh, to have nearly 1,000 people in our doors since, since October, October 1st. Yeah. And um, how, I mean, I assume that, that the people you've met and had in your home identify themselves as anything from barely Jewish, whatever that means, to, you know, in some ways ritually into it, depending on what they mean by that, right? C- correct. Uh, look, at our, at our Pesach Seder that we had a full house for, we had, um, I think, six or seven people who had never attended a Pesach Seder before. Uh, which is remarkable, um, but that's the reality. And you know, we're meeting a lot of people who come from families that many of their members of their family aren't Jewish, and obviously that presents some halachic right. issues and things. But the reality is that we're seeing a lot of Jews, uh, you know, who who aren't connected, and that's what we're here for. You asked about the area in general. Right. The reason that we chose the Lower East Side was actually the proximity to the East Village the Lower East Side, downtown in general, but also Williamsburg, which might surprise a lot of listeners. A lot of Jews Um, in Williamsburg who are not affiliated. Yes, Williamsburg, you know. We know about hundreds of thousands that are. Correct. But there are many that are not. Correct. And I spend time, it's amazing. I go to Williamsburg. We did a Friday night, uh, a Shabbos dinner uh, in Williamsburg. Uh, we got a beautiful venue. In what venue. type of place? A synagogue? It, it, no, no. It was actually a WeWork. Um, uh, Good idea. Yeah, yeah. A beautiful open space, and people are comfortable going there. They're familiar with it. Right. Um, we had space for 85 people, um, and we had 130 applications to join the Friday night dinner. All right. I, I have to help you fundraise, so this, so <laughs> we got to get to that, but I have to ask you. Um, 
it seems, and, and you may tell me I'm wrong, uh, it seems that years ago, and how many years one could determine for themselves, when someone like yourself would make yourself available to unaffiliated Jews in this area, there, there was little interest. There was, I don't know, there was, a, there was, there was a, a, an ambivalent attitude on the other end. And now it seems to me that when someone like yourself projects to the community down here that, mm. hey, hey, unaffiliated Jews, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to help you connect a little bit. It seems like there's an enthusiasm or some type of spark that didn't exist before. Am I generalizing too much? I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that. That I mean, that's you're you're pretty you're pretty accurate. Um, I think there's always been a thirst. There's always been a thirst. However, didn't you have a lot more pushback though years ago? Yes, there was there was a healthy skepticism, right? Perhaps um, and or people, rolling of the eyes. Correct, correct. And people were a little bit more. Why aren't they rolling their eyes as much? Ninety people to know. are searching for meaning, and the, you know the the because I, we have become what the, so disconnected from. From tradition, the right? access points for meaning are becoming less uh, and fewer and far between. Everybody's distracted. They have, you know, fear of missing out. They're looking for things that, you know, it, it's Which amazing. We didn't have twenty years ago nearly as much. Nearly as, as much. I mean, every generation right. thinks that they've had the right. biggest challenge. Right. But the reality is that today, you know, we were my, my wife Liat is an excellent educator, um, and she gave a share the other week um, on dating. Um, and the challenges with with uh, you know apps and and all the and, and she said it's very you know people are always in the their eyes are always wandering somewhere else both figuratively and right. in the dating world right. and and when you're dating somebody and you have an app with another thousand potential people in your pocket right it's very difficult to focus on the person in front of you and that's a reality for people in their jobs in their home life they're always people don't stay in jobs very long people aren't right. staying in their apartments very long they're moving every you know few weeks months whatever to something else so when we offer genuine care concern relationship you know something meet with meaning they they they're they're interested in it so, and I, you, so human beings do like to slow down and just I'll, I'll tell you something. yeah i'll tell you something amazing one of the beautiful most beautiful compliments we got at a shabbos meal um was with someone who had come the second or third time to our shabbos since we moved in and they said to us that the thing that they love coming to our shabbos table is that they don't look at their watch while they're there Right. They feel like they can stop, you know. And, and by I, the way, everybody listening has the potential to make their Shabbos table the same way. Absolutely. For and, people around. And we, you know, like I said, in Williamsburg, when yeah. we had 135 nobody applications. Left, right? Nobody right, left, Well, we, we only took 85 people because we no, didn't have I'm room. Saying, but nobody left. No. Nobody, they just right. stayed until yeah. you said, hey, it's time to get out of here. Exactly. And, and you know what? Those other, it was painful for me to have to turn away those 50 people, right? right? I'd love to open up our homes, the, the listeners, to those 50 people and be able to encourage more people to have. And, and forget the halachic stuff for a moment. Moment, and don't tweet that out that I said that. <laughs> but I mean, when they're at a Shabbos meal, are they spending a lot of time on their phones? Are they focused more on the spiritual aspect? Of so, it? so it's a good question, and we're very careful to kind of in the introduction of the Shabbos meal. I encourage people to really be here, right. be here for the moment. Um, and and I, you know, I don't require people not to be on right. their phone, but I, I, I sort of talk about the beauty of not being on your right. phone, and therefore use the opportunity exactly. To, to and and people tap into that. And yes, there are people who disappear right. to the bathroom, of course, you know, yeah. regularly to check right. things or whatever. Um, but but yeah, I think people do sort of plug into that, and they 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 warm. So to the people fact. must have said to you, 
this is the first two hours of my year that I've not been on my phone. A hundred percent. People are like, wow, this is like amazing. I got to focus on the food and yeah. the Torah and the company and conversation. Exactly. People don't even have conversations anymore. People don't know how to talk to each other. You know, it's 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 amazing to see. You know, you talked about the shift, the shift in in culture. Uh, and the time of, I, I think that one of the biggest shifts that we see is that it used to be people were looking for truth, and and truth was scary, and they were looking, you know, is that, that led true? to all the journeys around exactly, the world, all the exactly, exactly, find themselves, find themselves, correct, and, and that was for a, a lot of the outreach programs grabbed onto that right. and said, let's prove to you Torah is true, right. let's prove to you that that this isn't true, or right. let Israel be that destination exactly. you're looking for, right? exactly, and today people are looking for truth so much as they're looking for relevance. They're looking for something that's going to talk to their lives. And when we share nuggets and-, and Because and, they have everything, and yet they feel they don't have what they really need. Exactly. And therefore, when we offer it to them in a meaningful way, with education, with even social events, with Shabbos programs, right. people you know, grab onto that because they're, they're craving meaning. You know, people who are FFBs, as the expression goes, as we, because I include myself, as we sit down tomorrow night to the Shabbos meal, mm. we should we should learn to appreciate what we have. Absolutely, you know, I I I, um, I brought a group from England once to America, an outreach trip. Um, we took about 200 kids. It was actually during the blackout in 2003. Right. After the lights went back on, and there was an interview that I saw in the paper, and I thought it was amazing, and I quote it all the time at my Shabbos meals. Um, there was a commissioner of New York, some kind of political person, um, said that after the lights went back on, uh, on the Friday afternoon, right. so they received numerous messages and faxes that dates it a little right. bit, 2003, um, and they said that people requested an imposed blackout every once in a while because it made such a difference to their lives. And I say, you know what? We have that. Hashem knew what he was talking about. We need that imposed blackout to be able to shut off all the noise, shut off all the distractions, plug into things that are meaningful, you know, lose all the distractions, the craziness of, uh, craziness of the week, and plug into the serenity that Shabbat, and, Shabbos and, has to offer. And not to compare the two, because you can't compare anything to Shabbos, but that's why family dinner in this country, for those who still do it, is such a significant thing. 100%. Chief Rabbi Jacobowitz, Olav Shalom, in England, uh, actually campaigned for the Sunday laws in England because of that. People need to spend time, and and Baruch Hashem, Hashem gave that to us, imposed in our weekly schedule, because it's so crucial and so important to everything we are and what we do. And when we share that with people, they're grabbing onto it. Someone said to me yesterday that now, if you want to fix your car at a dealer, you can go early Sunday morning, (laughs) and if you need a plumber, you can find them in the middle of the night, because there's nobody has any time for anything, so people are making themselves available. Exactly. All the time. Everything is always. I guess from that perspective, it's good we don't have those Sunday laws here. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbi Moshe Mayerfeld is here. Listen, everybody. I mean, you're getting a perspective of what's happening here in Lower Manhattan. And any day Rabbi Mayerfeld wants to walk in here, we're more than happy to encourage people to support his efforts. But today especially, because today everything is doubled. Simple as that. Between now and 6 p.m. Eastern time, anytime anybody goes to your website, hits the donate button, they will get to a page. Uh, where literally every donation is doubled. In fact, I can update you because uh, you haven't looked at your phone last 10 minutes. <laughs> I can update you that you're now at $156,500, a $300,000 goal. Uh, it does literally mean that if someone gives $100, it's really a $200 donation. That's how it works. And uh, we ask you to go to hny.com. Uh, is it .org.com? hny.com. Click on Donate, and you'll be there. Uh, joining the hundreds of donors who have already given, and uh, you could help Rabbi Mayor Felt continue this effort here in Lower Manhattan, and as you heard, in Williamsburg as well. Um, I think the greatest advantage you have is what I pointed out earlier. Uh, I think we've gone from a generation of um, of skepticism, as you put it, I, I, I described it as eye-rolling, uh, <laughs> to a generation that, that literally is waiting for you to approach them, waiting for you. Please come up to me 
and invite me to your home. Please come up to me and let me know that for a half hour a week I could explore some important you know, Torah subject with you. And that's a big advantage. Knowing that people are, are as thirsty as they are really gives you an opportunity to do great work. Yeah, people are people are ready for it. We just have to be able to have the resources right. to do it. So we need more manpower. We need more volunteers. And we need more money to be able to, to, be able to accomplish our goals. So and please. you described earlier... And by the way, do those Shabbos meals take place every week? Every Shabbos. Like someone could literally sponsor literally. a Shabbos. With Absolutely. Money. And we say, you know, $20 a plate um, is, you know, allows somebody to have access to Shabbos. So, so if you're so thinking about it. 200 bucks, a, you have 10 people at your sponsor. 100%. Uh, you said earlier when reviewing the um, the history of Asian New York and the different things that have happened, you know, and, and the focuses, et cetera, et cetera. A- am I right that at some point the Asian New York uh, establish an actual center? Am I, am I thinking of Yes, that? in the Upper West Side, we did have a center um, for a long time. Um, Does that still exist or not? So they sold the building because, ah. the, again, the Upper West Side, right. the community changed, and that's why we chose somewhere here in the Lower East Side, and our home is our center for so the moment. So it's more like chapters now in Correct. New York. Correct. Look, different. Rabbi Elliot Mathias, Rabbi Sage Freiburg, we have Where a great are they? team. What, what neighborhoods? Um, we, we have an office in, uh, in Midtown, right. um, but our activities are where people are, in their offices, in their homes. We do home groups. But we that's do- everything. Everywhere in Manhattan now. There are yeah. Jews everywhere. That's right. And that's Upper East Side, Harlem, Washington Heights, work, everywhere. And we're trying to reach all of them. So Liat Meyerfeld, super edu- you know, I, I'm a bit biased. She's my wife, but she's <laughs> she's that she's running our women's program. We're doing amazing, amazing activities. And it's not just Shabbos, it's all the time. Every single day of the week. Yeah. And we're starting early in the morning and we're very often we we have to access people when they're available. So I've run a lot of programs at seven AM. Because that's when people, you know, can can take a few minutes to themselves. And that would be what, like an educational program? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, breakfast and learning. You right. know, get it together with a meaningful morning, um, and uh, you know, allow people to have access to Torah education to meaningful moments of the day, uh, whenever people can. Why did uh, uh, Why did Aish uh, survive all these decades? Why did this brand that really was synonymous and continues to be synonymous with Kiruv? Why has it? you know, been around and been so strong for so long. So Renoch Weinberg, who is the brains and the, the, the heart, the soul of everything that we We call him are. the founder, right? Yes, indeed. Um, and he had a passion for Jews that was unbelievable and a care. You and know a, him? Very well. I was Zohar to be able to be connected to him for, for many, many years. Um and uh, I was very appreciative of, of my connection with him. Um, I, I'm not an Aish guy, you know, from, from, from birth. I'm an FFB. Um, and, but I, I connected to Rav Noach. Um, and once I started working for, for Aish, I, I seeked him out. And he was available. I called him for advice and things. I'll tell you an amazing thing. Um, I, I asked him once. He used to teach this class, very famous class, about four misconceptions that people have about Yiddish guy. Right. It was one of his favorite right. classes to give. And he felt before you learn, you have to unlearn. And he talked about misconceptions that people have. One of them was that you know Yiddishkeit doesn't judge based on the Gemara about whose blood is redder than whom, uh, and and he talked about the fact that we don't know who's greater in Yiddishkeit than whom, and therefore we can't judge. And every Jew is has infinite value. Um, and I asked him afterwards when he taught a shir. I, I heard him teach this idea, which I've heard him many times. And I said to him, Rebbe, isn't it somewhat judgmental to teach Torah because you're saying I know something that you don't, um, and therefore even though you're saying we don't judge, isn't it inherently somewhat judgmental? And he told me an amazing idea. I'll never forget it. And I think that this answers your question. He said to me, Moshe, if that's the way you feel, please don't work for me. Hmm. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, every Jew I meet, in my mind, I know that it's possible that they have a closer relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu than I do. I don't know. 
I don't know where they come from. I don't know their background. I don't know what their story is. It's very possible that the Jew that I'm meeting has a better relationship at our place in Shemayim than I do. No matter if and how well they daven. Exactly. Or Shabbos. No matter what. No matter what. He said, however, I know that I have something that I can share with them that will get them even closer to Hashem. If I share with them Shabbos, if I share with them Pesach. What a great perspective. He said, then I I have to share it. I know something that they don't. I'm going to share with them. I'm not better than them, but I'm going to share. I love them. And that love for every Jew and that care. So I think that's the that's why I should survive because it's a genuine love and care, and it's a big vision. It's a you know, and and we're willing to adapt and not you know. There's a there's a book that I love to quote, even though the book itself isn't as good as as the concept of it, but a book called Who Moved My Cheese, right? right? You know, the, the mouse who who right. gets hungry because someone moved his cheese, he doesn't know to look for it elsewhere. I think Aisha's is always looking at what's today's generation's issue. And today, 2019, is different than two years ago, different than 10 years ago. And Aisha's constantly saying, what can we do? What, what's the need? Staying relevant. Staying, staying up relevant. to date. Exactly. Staying state of the art. Exactly. Um, Our website, Aisha.com, right. looking at how we can connect to Jews. You know, oh, you have great Hashem articles Hashem. on that website. Oh, Hashem, it's a, is know, there still an affiliation work. with you and Jerusalem? Or? So yes, yeah, certainly Ashkafically and, and from a, you know, and we're working to better that relationship. I all mean, the if time. you had people here on the Lower East Side who wanted to visit Israel, they would stop by Asian. I hope so. It's the best spot. In, you know, I'm saying, in, but that you yeah, they'd be welcome there. And yes, and we actually have a staff member that works for us in Eretz Israel today. Um, because there's so many travelers from New York right. to there that we actually have somebody who is employed by us in Eretz Israel, based in Eretz Israel, to help people learn, connect, etc. All right, as well. I could do this for hours with you, but I'd uh, love to. But, uh, <laughs> but and, and we'll continue at some point. We also want to hear some music, you know. <laughs> That's what the listeners are saying. <laughs> there are nine hours left to the Ace New York campaign, and I'm hoping, uh, just like uh, other causes that we uh, that we endorse and we encourage people to uh, contribute to, I'm hoping that you will. Find it in your heart to give Ace New York something before 6 p.m. tonight. 6 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time, nine hours from now, the campaign will end. They're at $156,000. They're trying to get to 300000 Remember, every time you give a dollar, it's really a $2 donation because everything is going to be matched. Go to HNY.com, HNY.com. If you click on the Donate button, it will take you straight to the uh, Cause Match page, and you'll be able to participate in today's campaign, HNY.com. Again, just hit Donate. And you will be able to support the work of Rabbi Meyerfeld and his family and the great people that he works with as they are transforming Jewish lives here in New York. It is, uh, it is, it's amazing to um, <laughs> to watch you in action and to and to see how many people are just desperate. And again, I say this so that all of us will sit down at the Shabbos table tomorrow night with a different attitude. How many people are desperate to have what we have? And we don't always realize how desperate people are. How lucky we are. And how lucky we are to have what yeah, we have, sure. you know? I'll tell you. Nachem, in the words of, of Rabbi Shlomo, in the tune of Rabbi Shlomo, if I can just wish the listeners, I good Shabbos, good Shabbos, <laughs> good Shabbos, good Shabbos. If there's somebody who understood Kirov, it was him, huh? <laughs> he knew how to communicate with people. He knew how to reach people's hearts, and he also knew that if he had an opportunity to speak to every Jew, he'd make tremendous progress uh, regarding their uh, spiritual lives, so... Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the listeners for helping us with this campaign. Yeah, good luck with the campaign. Everybody, it's HNY.com. HNY.com. Hit the donate button. And my thanks to Imosha Mayerfeld. He directs H New York. It's a Thursday, and you're listening to JM in the AM.